0: This morning, we are going to be talking about a current and a relevant issue in our society. Uh, I've called it a biblical perspective on immigrants with an application focused on illegal aliens. I'm sure that you are aware of the situations that are going on. And so we did a study on on this uh, particular matter, and that's what we want to introduce or to present to you today because we believe it is pertinent and we believe it gives direction to the people of God how to respond to situations in a way that is honoring to God. And so my primary focus this morning will be on the biblical directives relating to immigrants with a special and specific application to illegal immigrants. Now I will not be speaking about a specific group or those of a specific ethnic background. In other words, I won't be doing any profiling today. But rather, I will be speaking about immigrants as a group, as a class, or as an entity as a whole. Whatever background or national origin they may have. My emphasis will be on what Christians should be thinking and doing concerning. Immigrants within our country, both legal and illegal. I did a computer search of all of the terms used in scripture that refer to immigrants. And it's quite instructive, also quite convicting. All right. Now, we are going to be looking at these terms and how they're mentioned in scripture to give us some idea of what is God's mind concerning immigrants. And you might be surprised on how much he has to say about it. But I found several terms that we want to look at. The first one mentioned was stranger. That's a term the Bible uses for an immigrant, a person living in another country. Another name mentioned in scripture is foreigner. And of course, third is alien. All of these terms are used to describe a person living in a land that is not their homeland. Another term may be used, and that is sojourner. But actually, it is often used in the context that the stranger is sojourning in the land, or the foreigner is sojourning in the land, or the alien So although we might call him a sojourner, most of the times it's referring to a person who's a stranger, foreigner, alien, he's a sojourner in another land. Now as I said, it is quite instructive to read the context of these references. Because when we do this, we get a specific insight to what an alien is, what their living circumstances are, and how God's people are to treat them, and how they are to behave in the country to which they migrated. The Bible talks about all of this. And it's amazing to me how we don't look at these things more often in order to get uh, God's instruction here as God's people. See, because the problem arises, and I want you to listen carefully to this, when we discuss biblical issues in a predominantly secular society. And we live in a predominantly secular society. Now many elements are involved here, but basically, a secular society is a society that thinks about itself first. It always thinks about what is best for me, not what God says is best for me. understand what I'm saying? Now what happens, Christians who make a claim of following the Bible also fall into that trap of thinking secularly. They begin, what is best for me? What is best for my country? Rather than, what does God say is best for me? What does God say is best for my country? Do you understand what I'm saying? And so as we look at some of these references, some of you are going to get angry. Especially if you don't know the Bible. You're going to say the Bible is foolishness. For those of you who profess to be Christians and still don't know the Bible, believe it or not, there's some Christians who don't know the Bible. They claim to know it. But they still live secular lives. You're also going to think this is foolish. Because you're thinking more about what is best for me rather than what God says is best for you and for me. I want you to think about that as we go through these passages now. But I want you to really understand and perhaps challenge yourself to resist doing things your way. Rather than God's way just because you think it's best for you and your country. Be focusing on, I want to do what God says is best for me. I want to do what is best, what God says is best for my country. That's what I want you to be thinking about. All right. I want to give you a brief, just a two-sentence type of a historical overview of Israel and their relationship to immigrants because this is important for you to get the perspective. Almost as soon as they had settled in the promised land the people of Israel found themselves faced with the questions of what to do about foreigners. Now remember, they were foreigners themselves when they went into the promised land. you remember that? They went into a land that belonged to somebody else. It was promised to them but they still went in as aliens. In fact, we're going to see later that Abraham, the father of the nation, was an alien in the land of Canaan. All right? Among the foreigners living in Israel were those who had accompanied them on their flight from Egypt. Exodus 12 tells us it's a mixed multitude. Some were Israelites, some were not. There were also Canaanites like Rahab. And then, of course, they came in later on. Ruth, the Moabites, Uriah, the Hittite. We have a whole bunch of foreigners coming in to the life of Israel, the nation of Israel. They had contact with them from the very beginning. At the time of King Solomon, there were about 150,000 such aliens in Israel, according to Second Chronicles 2, or about a tenth of the country's total population. Now, some say that today we have anywhere from 30% to 40% illegal immigrants of all nationalities living perhaps higher than that in the Bahamas. That's quite a proportion of illegal aliens. But the point is, Israel faced the same situation. And why this is important, because God knew it, of course, and God gave specific instructions as how to live with them and how to handle them. And of course, that's instructions for us today as well. Now, as usual today, most of these were unskilled workers. It's amazing. You will see a consistency. As we go through the verses, we're going to be looking at the fact that these foreigners were primarily, not totally, but primarily unskilled workers. Amazing. Now, remember this. Israel as a people were neither better nor worse than other peoples. Right? Right? In fact, God says, you're not larger, you're not better, but I chose you because of my grace. That's all. But because they were God's chosen people, they were far more likely to look down on the foreigners in their midst. That's just how it happens. The blessed always looks down or tends to look down on those who are not as blessed as they are. To put it in real crass terms, the rich a lot of times look down on those who are not as well off as they are. That's just the way it is. People who have been in a privileged position seem to look down on those who are not. That's the same type of a situation that has happened here. That's the reason why God included within the Mosaic law detailed teaching concerning aliens and strangers and foreigners in the land. Because God knew the heart of Israel. That they were God's chosen people and therefore they're going to look down on the other nations as being nothing and so God included within his law to his people how to take care how to relate to foreigners in their midst this teaching is reiterated with much power by the prophets who continually remind the Israelites of how they should behave towards those who come from another country in fact you'll find that many times God's Judgment on Israel came because of the ill treatment they gave to foreigners in their midst. Amazing. But let's look at a few of the terms very quickly. And let me say this. These phrases or these verses I'm going to look at now are just representative of the the many times that the same thing is repeated again and again. It's just amazing as the references that are made to foreigners and aliens. So this is just a sample of the entire word. And I'm quoting these. I want you to see it because I want you to go away from here today with the word of God imprinted upon your heart of what God is saying, not what we're saying. All right? First, the term foreigner. It's one who is not an Israelite. Genesis seventeen twelve Every male among you who is eight days old shall be circumcised throughout your generation, a servant who is born in the house or who is bought with money from any foreigner who is not of your descendants. So this is one of the definitions of a foreigner. One who is not a part of your family, not a part of your, those who live in the homeland, as it were. Another term is alien. Genesis 19:19. 19. 19. This is one who is not a native of the land he is in, it says. But they said, stand aside. Furthermore, they said, this one came in as a sin. They're speaking about um, um, the fellow down in Sodom, Lot, remember? when he's trying to get the people to uh, stop knocking on his door and so on to to, uh, seduce these men. He said, they said, stand aside. This one came in as an alien. And already is acting like a judge. Now we will treat you worse than them. In this context, an alien is one who is not a native of the land he's in. All right. And by the way, I want you to know that he's not—he's acting like a judge. The implication is an alien should not be a judge. He should not act like a judge. And we can see how important this is as we go along. Stranger, stranger is one in a land not their own. Exodus 22. You shall not wrong a stranger or oppress him for you were strangers in the land of Egypt and you shall not oppress a stranger since you yourselves know the feelings of a stranger for you also were strangers in the land of Egypt. This is an important verse. These texts here and many more like them give the reason why Israel was to treat the alien immigrant justly. Why? Because they were aliens once themselves. What is God saying? Principle, if you want, is never forget your own roots. Don't forget where you came from. Now, we live in a land here that is 95% descended from slaves. Isn't that right? All I can tell you with this text is saying, don't forget where you came from. In your treatment of those who come from another land. That's the principle of the scripture. You might not like it, but that's what scripture says. And that's the reason he says. You shall not oppress a stranger, a foreigner, alien, since you yourselves know the feelings of a stranger. Treat others accordingly. In other words, remember how it was. In your case, in our case, wherever it might be. And treat others accordingly. Actually, this is actually... Portraying a New Testament truth taught by Jesus. What he says, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Didn't I say that? Yeah? And I might add, especially if they are in similar situations that you once were in. But let's move on. Here is another thing that is said they must keep the law of the land. Exodus twelve forty nine. The same law shall apply to the native. As to the stranger who sojourns among you. Now look at another one. But as for you, you are to keep my statutes and my judgments, and shall not do any of these abominations, neither the native nor the alien who sojourns among you. In other words, both the native and the alien are subject to the laws of the land in which they live. The same law applies to all. Neither are immune from the legal system of the land in which they find themselves. Both will be punished if they violate the law, whether they are here legally or illegally, whether you are a native or not, if you break the law, you're going to be punished. That's the principle of the Word of God. I remember we're just going through the scriptures. Leviticus twenty four twenty two there shall be one standard for you. It shall be for the stranger as well as the native. I am the Lord your God. The principle here we should treat all just alike. No favoritism shown. But another passage shows that the natives of country must care for the immigrant by law. Listen to this passage. Because now this was a part of Israel's law, both legal and religious. Notice what it says. Nor shall you glean your vineyard, nor shall you gather the falling fruit from your vineyard. You shall leave them for the needy of the stranger. I am the Lord your God. In other words, God was printing within the laws of his people the means whereby they should take care of the foreigner who comes into the land. Here's another one. Now listen to this one. You only Levite and alien who is among you shall rejoice in all the goods which the Lord your God has given you and your household. Alien is included. Then you have finished paying all the tithe of your increase in the third year, the year of tithing. Then you shall give it to the Levite, to the stranger, to the orphan, and to the widow, that they may eat in your towns and be satisfied. And notice this. And you shall say before the Lord your God, I have removed the sacred portion from my house, and also have given it to the Levite and the alien. The orphan and the widow, according to all thy commandments which thou hast commanded me, I have not transgressed or forgotten any of thy commandments. I wonder if we can say that. In other words, the Israelites were even to take part of their tithes, the money they give to the Lord to care for aliens in their country. So here's a derived principle. Governments are to provide for the social welfare of immigrants who live in their country. That's the right principle from this text. But let's go on. In scriptures, the natives of the country must not treat the alien unjustly. Again, as a part of the law system. Listen now. Leviticus 19.33. When a stranger resides with you in your land, you shall do him no wrong. Remember now, we're getting what God thinks, not thinks, how he wants us, desires us, commands us to treat foreigners, aliens in our country. The stranger who resides with you shall be to you as, as the native among you. What does that mean? Just like a citizen. And you shall love him as yourself. Doesn't that remind you what Jesus Christ says? Love one another. You know, we could take the Bible and we could boil it down to two statements. The whole Bible, the main idea of the Bible, you know what it is? Love God and your neighbor as yourself. That's it. Love God and your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus is going to talk about the same thing. He's going to show us what is the most important thing in life. And you're going to be surprised. It has to do with justice. It has to do with mercy. And it has to do with righteous living. You'll see that. Now listen to this one. Then I charge your judges at that time. Now, who judges? These are the people who make the law and carry the law, at least impose the law in the land. Isn't that right? I charge your judges at that time, saying, Hear the cases between your fellow countrymen and judge righteously. Here it is, to live righteously between a man and his fellow countrymen or the alien who is with him. Same law. Same care for justice. To be given toward the alien, as well as the native. This study, by the way, I've been probably more convicted of sin in my life of neglect by studying these passages than for a long time. True. Listen to this one. Cursed is he who distorts the justice due an alien, an orphan, and a widow. And all the people shall say, Amen. Can you really say, Amen to that? I ask you again, can you say, Amen to that? Cursed is he who does not do justice to an alien. Now, we're going to talk later. You see how the alien is always associated with the orphan and the widow, the helpless, the poor. Always in that category. Cursed is he who does not act justly. But let's go on. Aliens must not be oppressed by natives of the land. Jeremiah twenty two three. Thus says the Lord, do justice and righteousness. I want you to see how these words come again and again. Justice and righteousness. And deliver the one who has been robbed from the power of his oppressor. And do not mistreat or do violence to the stranger, the alien, the foreigner, the orphan, the widow. Do not shed innocent blood in this place. Aliens must not be oppressed by natives of the land, either individually or by the law. The government. Ezekiel 22. They have treated father and mother lightly within you. That's Israel. The alien they have oppressed in your midst. This is the judgment by God against His people. The fatherless and the widow they have wronged in you. Notice the association again. We'll bring point, this point out in a minute. Now here's a strange one: an alien is not to rule over the natives of a land. You shall surely set a king over you whom the Lord your God chooses, one from among your countrymen. You shall set as king over yourselves. You may not put a foreigner over yourselves who is not your countryman. Now that has all kinds of political ramifications. All kinds. But I can let you interpret that yourself. All right? But just think. That if we remain true to the word of God in principle here, and let only those of our own people have the say over us. I think there will be a whole different situation. Well, anyway, you we won't get in that, because I promise not to be political. Because I always think, though, in this connection I put here, what about Joseph and Daniel? They were Israelites. They went to foreign, and they ruled over the people. We'll talk about that some other time. Here is it. The sin of natives will allow aliens to prosper more than they do. Now, listen to this one. Get the thought here now. The sin of natives, let's put it in context. The sin of Bahamians will allow aliens, foreigners, to prosper more than they do. Listen to the Bible. Deuteronomy 28 43. If you continue to rebel against God and disobey Him. That's the context. If you continue to rebel against God and disobey Him. The alien who is among you shall rise above you higher and higher. But you shall go down lower and lower. You know, when I was reading this, I thought about many Christians who like to talk. You see these rich, unsaved people. All their money can be ours. You hear that teaching? Because you know, say, all of the wealth of the ungodly going to come to the Christian. Well, let's look at this from this now, as believers. If you don't behave yourself, if you don't obey God, and if you don't treat the alien right, all that big home, all the money you have, all your business could go to them same people. That's, what this, that's the principle involved here. Obedience to God removes it. Disobedience, and it has to do with our relationship to aliens. Proverbs 5, 7, Now then, my sons, listen to me and do not depart from the words of my mouth. The idea, if you do, let strangers be filled with your strength. That word strangers is alien, foreigner. let strangers be filled with your strength. Take what you have. And your hard-earned goods go to the house of the alien. Isn't that something? Picture it in your mind. Make a little cartoon. All these nice fifty-seven plasma TVs and all of these type of things you're seeing going from your house to the house of the alien because of your disobedience to God. Principle: Obey God. What not happen. Aliens associated with orphans, widows, the poor, and menial work throughout Scripture. Deuteronomy twenty-nine: You stand today, all of you, before the Lord your God your chiefs, your tribes, your elders, and your officers, even all the men of Israel, your little ones, your wives, and the alien who's within you, within the camps. Now notice this. From the one who chops your wood to the one who draws your water. They're associated with the menial tasks of the country. Nothing much has changed, has it? And by the way, that's the kind of job that some of the Israelites didn't like to do. Mean they say anymore. Jeremiah 22. Thus says the Lord. Do justice and righteousness. Notice those words again. And to deliver the one who has been robbed from the power of his oppressor. Also do not mistreat or do violence to the stranger, the orphan or the widow. Do not shed innocent blood. The point I'm trying to make here is that they're associated with the weak, the helpless, the poor. The oppressed. Ezekiel 22, verse 7, they have treated father and mother lightly within you. The alien they have oppressed in your midst. The fatherless and the widow they have wronged in you. They continue to be associated with the weak of the community. Now here's one. God hears the prayers of the alien as well. Listen, this has to do with the building of the tabernacle and, and, and the dedication. Also concerning the foreigner who is not from thy people Israel, when he comes from a far country for thy great name's sake, and thy mighty hand and thine outstretched arm, when they come and pray toward this house, then hear thou from heaven, from thy dwelling place, and do according to all for which the foreigner calls to thee. Solomon is praying that God would hear the prayer, answer the prayer of the alien. In order that all the people of the earth may know thy name and fear thee as do thy people Israel. And that they may know that this house which I have built is called by my name. In other words, listen, the foreigners can see that God answers our prayer and we have them at concern. They will come to place faith in God himself. Notice, goes on. Deuteronomy twenty-nine, twenty-two. Now the generation to come, your sons who rise up after you and the foreigner who comes in from a distant land. And they see the plagues of the land and so on. The point is here, they're going to be around us. We've got to learn how to deal with them according to the word of God. That's the point. Now, this is how the Old Testament closes. Now, I could bring you all of the passages in the Old Testament. Now, you say maybe by the time it comes to the close of Old Testament revelation, God changes his mind. But he doesn't. He solidifies it, everything he said. Because remember, Malachi is the close of the Old Testament revelation. Malachi 3, Then I will draw near to you for judgment, and I will be a swift witness against the sorceress, and against the adulteress, and against those who swear falsely, and against those who oppress the wage earner in their wages, the widow and the orphan. Now notice, And those who turn aside the alien. Notice that. Those who turn aside the alien. And do not fear me. The implication is the reason why they act unjustly toward the alien. Because they have no reverence for God. That's how the Old Testament closes. God solidifies everything he said concerning the treatment of God's people toward the alien. Now notice how the New Testament opens with these words. The New Testament opens with the book of Matthew. Jesus is the center focus here. Hear the words of Jesus Christ. cause he's looking ahead to the tribulation period, but the principle is being presented. He says, when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne and all the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate them one from another as the shepherd separates the sheep from the goats and he will put the sheep on his right hand and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed of my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger. Same word for foreigner, alien, sojourner. And you invited me in. Naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty, or give you drink? I didn't see you visually, physically. When did we see you a stranger and invite you in, or naked or clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? And the king will answer and say to them, Truly I say to you, to the extent that you did it to one of these brothers of mine, even the least of them, you did it to me. There's such a thing as entertaining angels unawares. Shouldn't you believe that? But Listen to this. There's such a thing as entertaining Jesus Christ unawares. He will say to those on his left, Depart from me accursed ones, into eternal fire, which has been prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger and you did not invite me in. I was naked and you did not clothe me. I was sick, I was in prison and you did not visit me. Then they themselves would answer saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or alien or naked or sick or in prison and did not take care of you? Then he will answer them saying, truly I say to you, to the extent that you did not do it to one of the least of these. Now notice, when we look at aliens in the Old Testament, they are always associated with the least of the community. Socially speaking, the widow, the orphan, the poor. Then I say to you, to the extent that you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go into eternal punishment with the righteous into eternal life. That's the word. Now notice this now, in the New Testament, we only have about eight or nine references. We have almost 80 or more in the, New, in the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, let me just look at these and then we bring it all together. Foreigner showed more reverence for Jesus than his own people. You remember when he healed the ten lepers? One came back. Notice what Jesus said. Was no one found who turned back to give glory to God Except this foreigner. A prophet is not without honor, save in his own country. That's the idea here. Moses was an alien in Midian. And in this, in this remark, Moses fled and became an alien. I'm just trying to show you the references in the New Testament. Jews did not associate with foreigners. Foreigners. Acts 10, he said to them, you yourselves know how unlawful it is for a man who is a Jew to associate with a foreigner or to visit him. And this is Peter, and yet God has shown me that I should not call any man unholy or unclean. In other words, it's wrong to look down on another person and say you're unclean. Even illegal aliens, no matter what country they come from, are not unclean in the sight of God, to this extent that we do not care for them. Abraham lived as an alien in Canaan. Hebrews 11, by faith, Abraham lived as an alien in the land of promise, as of in a foreign land. Notice, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, fellow ears of the same promise, nothing permanent. Again, an association of how immigrants live at times, especially illegal aliens. So, let's try to summarize then. And this is only a summary. Actually, I'm still going through this study because so many tremendous spiritual truths have been impressed upon my soul as I I had to confess so many sins in light of these things and God speaking to me. Here, it's summary. Just three or four. Responsibility of immigrants, people living in our land. One, they must obey the laws of the land. If you're here, you should obey the law of the land. If you come in in a way that's not in keeping with the government here, you're breaking the law. That's what it means. Obey the laws of the land. Two, don't rule over the natives. Now, nah, whatever you whatever you want to take that. Alright? the Scripture says don't become king. Maybe you here to say don't become what? You said that. Number three. Respect the religion of the land. As you go through here, you will find that God talks about how the native is to observe what is happening within the, in the country and to learn to do certain the sacrifices and certain, certain qualifications were given, but they were taught how to do it. You see? Respect the religion of the land. Four. Oh, I'm sorry. Four comes to responsibility of the natives. I put it in the context of Christians right now. One. Obey the laws of the land. Especially relating to immigrants. Right? Two. Treat believers as brothers and sisters in Christ. That is, believing immigrants. We have brothers and sisters, members of the incredible body of Christ who come into our country from other countries. Legally and illegally. We are to treat them as brothers and sisters in Christ. Not as trash. Trash. Three, proclaim the gospel to unbelieving foreigners. Again, as you go to the Old Testament, you'll see where they were how to teach foreigners what Jews believe and so on. That's the principle. Number four, show care and compassion to their plight. That's what all of the laws have to do. Showing care and compassion for their plight. Now One vital issue was not specifically dealt with in either the Old or New Testament with immigrants, and that is that nothing is said directly or specifically about illegal aliens. Nowhere is an alien called illegal or a foreigner called illegal. Now, as a result of that, some have said, well, that means that the Scripture does not address it, but that's not true. Because we've just seen that the Old Testament does insist that aliens, foreigners, or strangers do what? Obey the law of the land in which they should join. Isn't that right? So it does speak to the issue. In fact, it seems to assume that if you are here, you are going to obey the law of the land. You should obey the law of the land. If you don't, you should be made to do it. Both the illegal immigrant... And the native are to obey the laws of the land in which you live. Do you agree? The alien breaks the law when they enter illegally. Do you agree? The native breaks the law when they hire an illegal alien. Do you agree? But we're going to see here for those of you who hire illegal aliens are going against the law of God. Not just the law of the land you can see that and because of that the whole plan that God has for dealing and reaching out to the alien is hampered because of disobedient Christians to the law of the land as well as the law of God now this is where we make a distinction we must make a distinction between social law and forensic law and I called up the expert in the Bahamas concerning this forensic law and he said this is all right This word, law, I'm trying to make a distinction between the law of the land and social activity personally. In other words, I want to see what the government should do and what the individual should do. Not the church as an organization, but the individual as a Christian. All right? Let me me explain this a little bit more. Social law or social justice is related to loving our neighbors as ourselves. All right? That's the second part of when God says the two greatest commandments. Forensic or legal law or legal justice or forensic justice has to do with the legal system of the land. Now, this has to do with the first part about loving God. Because we're going to see that God is the one who sets up the law or the government in a country. We're going to see this in a moment. But I want you to see this. Now, here's the point. The application here. The Christian must act justly or righteously. In each area, socially and legally, the Christian must act justly. You agree? You agree? The government breaks the social law when it treats illegal immigrants inhumanely. Would you agree? The Christian, however, breaks the legal law when he hires, aids, and abets, the illegal immigrant... Christian or non-Christian, you can't say that's my brother, sister. I got to give him a job, and overlook the law. You understand what I'm saying? And he also breaks the social law when he or she fails to show mercy to the illegal immigrant in their plight. So see, there's a tension for the Christian. You want to show love and compassion to this person you know is illegal, and it's hard. They say, i got to call up immigration on you. And people would say you shouldn't because you're a Christian. I put it to you, that's not Christian to say that. This is where the tension of the social and the legal laws come in. Listen to what Jesus says, Matthew 23, 23. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you tithe mint and dill and cummin. And have neglected, notice now, the weightier provisions of the law, that which is a little more important. What are they? Justice and mercy and faithfulness. Righteousness could be put in there. truthfulness. The very same things that are insisted to the Old Testament. So what is Jesus doing? He's taking all of those truths, those principles that we've just looked at, and he's saying, I still validate them in the new economy. In the New Testament era, they still stand. So we could look at it like this. You, these are the things you should have done without neglecting others. You blind guides who strain out a mat and swallow a camel. Boy, I like the way Jesus could carry things home. See, in this context, the justice could be looked at the legal, as the, the legal system. Mercy could be looked at as the social system. Faithfulness can be looked at at righteousness. Jesus is concerned with these things. He wants us to be just, carry out the laws of the land, merciful, care for those who are affected by the law of the land, faithful and righteously in doing what he tells us to do in this relationship. We live righteously by obeying the laws of the land and showing love and compassion to all, including illegal aliens. You agree? You agree? Jesus teaches that we should be as concerned with these issues as with tithing. Now I know some of you all oh, boy, you all are committed to tithing. You all go on vacation and you'll save up your money and you bring it. now, not all of you, but some of you. All right? And say because I want to be faithful. Some say I was sick, but they can't. I mean they are committed to that. Notice what Jesus says. We should be as concerned with these social issues and obeying the law and loving our neighbors, including illegal aliens, as we are, that we give to him. Lest we be guilty of straining out a gnat but swallowing a camel. What is the forensic law, the legal law? Listen to what Paul says, the law and the Christian, Romans 13. Let every person be in subjection to the governing authorities. This is not a suggestion to the Christian. This is a command. For there is no authority except from God. And those which exist are established by who? That's the government. Therefore, he who resists authority has opposed the ordinance of who? God, not the prime minister. So if you say, we're going to hire illegal aliens, no godless to what the, the law says, you are resisting the ordinance of God. Therefore, he who resists authority has opposed to the ordinance of God, and they who have opposed will receive condemnation upon themselves. Let me tell you, payday. Come in someday when you disobey God. For rulers are not a cause of fear for good behavior, but for evil. Do you want to have no fear of authority? Then no hire an illegal alien. <laughs> I'm putting it in context here. Do what is good and you will have praise from the same. For it is a minister, the government, of God to you for good. Now, of course, we are assuming that the government is set up and operating properly now. That's a huge assumption. But that's the idea here. It is a minister of God to you for good. But if you do what is evil, be afraid. And hiring the illegal alien is evil. For the government does not bear its sword for nothing. Why? It is a minister of God, the same way I and Pastor Arnold and Pastor Aubrey is a minister of God for you for spiritual things. The government is a minister of God for legal things, for law and order. An avenger not a blesser. An avenger who brings wrath upon the one who practices evil. Therefore, it is necessary to be in subjection, not only because of what you're going to get from the government through penalties, but also for conscience sake. In other words, you want to sleep at night? Without fear that at 2 o'clock the door, the body might come and say, hey, you got somebody working, for you shouldn't. For conscience sake, keep the law of the land. All right? Now, here's an application. Illegal aliens impose serious economic, social, or cultural burdens on this country today. No doubt about it. From an economic standpoint, the Bahamas is bearing enormous costs because of free medical care, overcrowding of government schools, for example. And Bahamians are more and more feeling like they are second-class citizens behind illegal aliens in their own country. At least some are. That's the situation. Whether we like it or not. How do Christians respond? From a legal and just perspective, it is not unchristian to support restricted immigration into one's country. That's the law. Or it could be a part of the law. Number two, it is not unchristian to advocate deportation of illegal aliens. That's also the law. It is true that as a Christian, my brothers and sisters in Christ come in all colors, shapes, sizes from every country on the planet. And I chose these names here. Iraq. Iran, North Korea, Russia, China, India, but let's get closer home. Cuba, Jamaica, and in Haiti. We get our brothers and sisters in Christ coming in legally and illegally. All right? By the way, as an aside, just let me say here, I believe that a lot of these other illegal immigrants are getting away because of an unproportioned focus just on one group. And I believe that's unjust from the legal point of view. That must be addressed. That's one of the things I think we should, as Christians, be fighting for. But I am not, as a Christian, required to ignore or oppose justice against lawbreakers, even if they are Christians. You understand what I'm saying? The law stands for Christians and non-Christians as well. We can't say, oh, no, no, he shouldn't punish him because he's a believer. Uh Uh-uh. Not if you're going to act righteously or justly. Government is supposed to punish lawbreakers. And Christian criminals are not accepted. We've got Christian criminals. They should be be punished. God appoints men to authority and lay down the function and role of government. And what is that? To protect citizens and punish lawbreakers. Now they've lost that. They become more socially oriented than they are. For protection and so on. But that's another story. Their role is to protect citizens and to punish lawbreakers. That's what they're there for. And just because a person is a Christian doesn't mean that he should not be punished for his crimes. We must not make the mistake, many do, of confusing biblical instruction to Christians with the divinely assigned role and function of government. Now, please follow me closely because some of you are going to disagree. But think it through. This is what I call a sila moment. Our love of God and for illegal immigrants do not render our obligation for legal retribution against them null and void if they break the law. Do you understand what I'm saying? All right, let's call it now. We can show love to them, those who are breaking the law, even as we take or report them to immigration. Immigration. You see the tension of the moral, of the social and the legal system coming into play here, and how the Christian has to behave here. We can feed them, clothe them, and in some cases assist in getting them straight. That's right. But there's some other things we can do, as far as government is concerned. Christians cannot, nor are we obligated to demand that our government have a Christ-like response to illegal aliens. We cannot demand that our government behave like Christians toward lawbreakers. Why? Because our government is not a Christian government. Now, you could take that anyway, but that is true. If our government is a Christian government, only the Christian religion would be here today. You understand what I'm saying? We live in a pluralistic society. We cannot fault our government for not, for our government, for not being Christ-like. We can They are to be legal-like. We are the ones who are supposed to be Christ-like. Do you follow what I'm saying? Very important. Don't let us confuse the responsibilities. Government has been established by God to maintain and enforce just laws for the protection and welfare of its citizens. This includes rounding up and sending illegal aliens back to their own homeland. And I don't just mean Haitians. I mean Chinese. And they got plenty of them around. I mean Cubans. I mean Indians, I mean Greeks. You understand what I'm saying? All of them. Rounding up and sending illegal aliens back to their own homeland. However, and here is it, we can demand as citizens, Christian citizens of this country, we can demand that our government do it in a humane way, respecting the dignity of those who are rounded up. You see, I had a Haitian pastor who attended. He said, Pastor Lee, we need help here. He says, I believe these things you're saying. But the police would come at 3 o'clock in the morning, knock on the doors and take our wives, the ladies out, hardly dressed at all. Don't allow them time to get their children straight. Don't allow them to put their clothes on and push them into the van and carry them to the station. That's inhumane. And we should not allow that to happen. You see, this is where we come in as doing our part and acting righteously. Now remember, God condemns us for not doing righteously. That means if we know what to do and don't do it, it is sin. That's what I call passive unrighteousness. Passive injustice. Obey the laws of the land. As Christians, do not hire an illegal immigrant. Regard illegal immigrants as our neighbors. For, for, and for some as brothers and sisters in Christ who need our help. Who is our neighbor? All of the aliens. Legal or illegal. They're our neighbors. And Jesus says, you're to love your neighbor as yourself. Demand and do what we can to assure that our government treats illegal aliens humanely and with the dignity that reflects that they too, like us, are made in the image of God. We're not to treat other people like animals and dogs. They're made in the image of God. And as Christians, we have the responsibility as citizens to demand that our government do things properly. We are meeting some more with the Haitian pastors because we are Concerned about this, how we can help. And one of these times I might come to you and say, I need you to support me in going to the government and saying, hey, you've got to act more humanely. Stopping church buses and pulling people off on the way or from church. Or sometimes I understand even going into a building with a meeting. That's unjust. And we have a responsibility if we believe the word of God to insist under the demand that our government treat everyone, legal and illegal people, humanely. As I always say, Sila, think and act on these things. That's a powerful word of prayer. <clears throat> You've spoken to us. Now help us, we pray, not to be hearers of the word only, but do us. Give us courage, the courage that we need to deal with injustice in our society. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.